0: This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by the all new 2024 Lexus GX. You ever pick up a piece of gear that inspired you to up your game? My first full suspension mountain bike was like this. So plush and fun, it changed riding a bike from something I thought I'd never forget how to do to something I realized I wanted to do better. The all new Lexus GX is an exceptionally capable rig that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. With available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, and multi-terrain select, the all-new GX is rugged on the outside, refined on the inside. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Or go to Lexus.com slash GX to learn more.
1: From Outside Magazine, this is the Outside Podcast. Now here is a bit of strange insider information on the workings of Outside Magazine. Our last editor-in-chief, Chris Kays, who was at the top of the masthead from 2016 until last fall, developed in his later years a quirk. He was unwilling to assign almost any stories that took place underwater. No features on shipwrecks. Not interested in scuba diving adventures. And if I'm remembering things right, absolutely no submarine stories. I'm Michael Roberts, and I'm comfortable saying that for me and the other editors who worked with Chris, his quirk was annoying. I mean, there were lots of cool underwater stories to be told. It was also a source of curiosity. We didn't get it, and Chris had no real explanation. But now, I have a theory. I believe Chris may have read a 2016 novel called The Wrecking Crew by Taylor Zions. The book tells the story of a deep-water salvage diver who is thrown into a high-stakes effort to stop a mysterious red tide off the coast of Somalia. It's like a Bourne Identity movie, with lots of intense submarine action scenes that definitely don't put you in the mood to dive under the ocean. So, why am I bringing this up? Well, just yesterday, the wrecking crew was reissued. Back in 2016, it had a relatively limited print run, as it was Taylor's first book. But he went on to write a sequel, plus another novel. So now it's back. Which, in a roundabout way, brings us to today's episode, a replay of a piece from 2017 by our former host, Peter Frick-Wright, and Robbie Carver. It stars Taylor, telling the kinds of wild, underwater stories that Chris Kyes used to ignore. Hey, Chris. I know you listen to the show on your runs so get ready for this one and uh call me and let me know if my theory is right okay
0: if you are stuck underwater in a submersible what are the w- different ways to die
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh so many uh... <laughs> I almost kind of enter like a brain freeze when you talk about how many different ways there are to die at death, right? Because, you know, there's, there's crushing, burning, you know, asphyxiation. Oh, explosion. That's another big one, <laughs> too.
0: <laughs> in summary, being stuck underwater in a submarine is a very bad idea.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: A while back, this guy named Taylor Zion sent me a book to read. Taylor is a maritime historian and shipwreck expert and he'd written a thriller that took place largely underwater, in a stolen submarine. He told me the book was informed by his real-world adventures, and he was trying to bring some authenticity back to the genre of underwater adventure novels. I was intrigued, and we were working on a story about being stuck underwater anyway, so I invited Taylor over to talk. It turns out mostly about submarine misadventures. But he told me a couple of stories about the early days of the submarine. And what I found so surprising was not how complicated it actually is to make a boat that goes beneath the surface of the water, but how early people started trying to do it. Particularly a guy named John Day, a wagon maker from England, who built not actually the first submarine, but one of the early ones in 1774.
2: The Accounts from the time portrayed him as, you know, unable to read or write, didn't have a permanent home. He was uh, prone to depression and quick temper and, and just broke as well.
0: Day was shy and not really one for spectacle, but he had this story that he told. He said he had built a completely watertight compartment inside a fishing boat and that he had sunk it to a depth of 300 feet and stayed there for 24 hours. Not that he could do this, but that he had already done it. Of course, everyone he told wanted to see him do it again. So Day went to a guy named Christopher Blake, a pretty wealthy gambler, and said that what he really needed to do it right was a bigger boat. So Blake fronted him the money to build a submarine. This is this is a guy who is just sort of like the town whack, <laughs> and he says, "I've built I've built something, and like come see it in action." Like th- that's sort of to summarize so far.
2: Pretty much, yeah. This this was uh, this was going to be a big a big show, kind of you know a bit of a circus, you could say
0: purchased a 50-ton sloop. Her name was Maria.
2: Uh, you've probably seen something of about the same size and, and you know, your local harbor at some point. Uh, so what he did was he created a box-shaped watertight compartment for himself. Uh, incidentally, boxes are not known for being the most watertight design. <laughs> There's a reason that submarines are not box-shaped.
0: He put 30 tons of stones on board, and the idea was that he would sink to 300 feet, and after 24 hours, he'd pull a lever and release 20 of those tons. If all went to plan, the Maria would rise victoriously to the surface.
2: What he decided was he was going to hedge a little bit on this. He said, you know what, we're not going to do 300 feet. We're going to do 130, and let's say more like 12 hours and not a full 24 hours. So he was trying to, maybe he didn't have as much confidence in his invention as as perhaps, you know, he initially led others to believe. He's immediately backpedaling, you're saying? (laughs) Just immediately.
0: It's June 22nd, 1774, in Sussex, England. The whole town is gathered at Plymouth Harbor. There's a brass band, festivities, and the Maria is towed to a spot 130 feet deep.
2: Uh, he goes inside with a candle, some biscuits, drinking water, he closes it, he seals it. Uh, the seacocks are released, basically holes in the bottom of the boat, and it goes to sink immediately. Uh, It goes down so fast that the men on board that are helping him barely even have time to throw themselves off before it disappears under the water. And he was never seen again. No way. Really? (laughs) Yeah, 12 hours pass. The sloop doesn't come up to the surface again. Uh, They try to, to scour the bay with grapples, you know, basically drag the bay, see if they can find something. And that was it. They never found him.
0: I feel bad now that we were laughing about this guy.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, physics are physics.
0: That far below the surface, Day might have died from hypothermia or asphyxiation, but most likely he never even reached the ocean floor. Basically, the Maria was airtight, but built to withstand one atmosphere of pressure. That's the weight of all the air in the atmosphere pressing down on you about 14 pounds per square inch. But water is more dense and weighs significantly more than air. At 130 feet, the Maria would have had to withstand five times the pressure she was designed for. Most likely she imploded well before she even got that deep. And that was it. That's the, that's the end of this story of John Day.
2: That is the short, tragic story of John Day.
1: We'll be right back. Brought to you by Lexus. There are things you can own that do much more than their stated functions. Things like a professional-grade kitchen range or an aerodynamic carbon fiber bike. The truth is, exceptional things inspire you to do exceptional things. They push you to reach higher, to go farther. To this select list, we add the all-new Lexus GX. You don't buy it just for the life you have, but also for the life you want to have its exceptional capability will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed making plans that were once outside your scope but as much as the gx challenges you it also spoils you its intuitive technology and luxurious features mean that wherever you go you'll never go without live up to it the all-new lexus gx
0: John Day was the first recorded fatality involving a submersible, but there's not much more to say about him. He didn't exactly change the face of submarine technology. But about 75 years later, Prussian carpenter Wilhelm Bauer did. Not only that, Bauer holds the distinct honor of having caused the first undersea fistfight.
2: Uh, he was a corporal in the Prussian light horse artillery stationed in the city of Kiel during one of Prussia's many borders disputes with the Danes. It was
0: 1850, and the Danish had set up a blockade in the harbor. And while that might sound very tense and dramatic, Bauer was actually getting pretty bored. So he decided to build a submarine. The idea was that with a submersible, Bauer could reach the ships in the blockade undetected, plant a mine, and retreat. Bauer understood what John Day hadn't, or at least couldn't put into practice. It wasn't enough to be in an airtight space. He would need a vessel strong enough to withstand the extra pressure of the ocean.
2: At this time, now that we're into the age of steam, there was kind of these ready-made pressure vessels available uh, in the form of uh, boilers. Uh, The whole point of the submarine was to essentially make sure that it's one atmosphere on the inside. It's basically the same as it would be on sea level and to keep all the pressure on the outside.
0: Boilers were designed to contain incredible pressures. If they could keep steam in, he thought, they could probably keep the ocean
2: out. So he worked with a local ironsmith to repurpose uh, boiler plates into a practical submarine design. He made a scale
0: model, showed it to his superiors, and was given the go-ahead to build a full-sized vessel.
2: Basically he made what looked like a giant toaster. So it would be propelled forward with little hand wheels, which is Not terribly practical when you consider that the vessel would have weighed about 38 tons. It was crewed by him and two crew members, 26 feet long, 6 feet wide, about 9 feet tall. He called it,
0: well, something German, but it translated to the Incendiary Diver, named after the boats that were packed with explosives and sent towards enemy ships. It's also just called the Sea Diver.
2: It was designed to basically just crawl just under the surface to where the Danish ships were moored, And then basically, what he had was two uh, leather gloves that were built into the hole itself, so he could actually reach through the hole with these leather gloves, and then attach a mine or basically a bomb to the side of one of the Danish ships, retreat, and then explode it from a safe distance. You're kidding. It was it was a brave plan. But the sense I get is with the blockade, he probably had a lot of time to think about this.
0: And it worked. The submarine could move underwater, you could steer it, and Bauer and his crew lived to tell about their first underwater test. They never even tried to plan a mine, but the Danish fleet, watching Bauer's test runs, pulled their blockade to a safer distance. It was a definitive moral victory.
2: Unfortunately, the sea diver itself didn't fare as well. She attempted to dive over an uncharted crater in the seabed, It was 60 feet deep, and as she went down, her crew lost control of the descent. And ended up smacking it down right in the middle of the crater. So water started coming through the seams. The rivets started blasting free. Their crew panics, and they try to open up the hatch so they can basically just swim out. But the problem is, at this point, there's 40 pounds per square inch of ocean pressure keeping that hatch closed. There was no way out, and Bauer
0: knew that he needed to equalize the pressure by letting water into the submarine.
2: Unfortunately, he did not adequately communicate his intentions before he starts opening up the, the seacocks, which are essentially holes <laughs> to, let, to let ocean water start flooding into the sea diver. His compatriots thought he'd gone completely nuts. Uh, and then what took place afterwards was, I, I described it as, as an event never seen before in human history, which is the first submarine brawl. <laughs> which uh, these two men attempted to physically prevent him from from opening the seacocks and floating the submarine. They pinned him down for four hours after you know the fist fight, of course, lar- loudly arguing about what to do.
0: And remember, this was the 1800s, so it's not like they had compressed air on board.
2: The air around them just got worse and worse and worse. Four hours he spent trying to convince them <laughs> that their only hope was to do the last thing that they wanted to do, which is flood their submarine. And, you know, a, a loud four-hour discussion is a good way to burn through a lot of air. It was only going to be a matter of time until uh, until they asphyxiated So their loud discussion came to an abrupt end when they started hearing scraping sounds from the outside of the submarine because on the surface rescuers were trying to grapple them with large metal hooks many of which were swinging very close to their glass portals. So finally the two men were convinced to allow Bauer to proceed with his you know seemingly suicidal plan, meaning Uh, allowed him to flood the remaining submarine with a small air valve. And the hatch, relieved of opposing pressure, released. And the three men were actually more or less blown out of the sea diver and carried to the surface in in just a cloud of bubbles. So, they made it.
0: The submarine, unfortunately, was never recovered. But Bauer, realizing the potential of his design, went to St. Petersburg, to the Grand Prince of Russia and convinced him to fund a new sub. He improved the design and named it the Sea Devil.
2: It was actually really successful. Uh, They dove it 134 times, and sometimes they reached as as deep as 150 feet. And the submarine itself was large enough to put a four-piece orchestra on board, which they actually did at one point in order to entertain Tsar Alexander II from beneath the surface uh, on on when he was uh, coronated. Wait, they put a four-piece 4, what, four piece orchestra, you said? or Yep, they loaded a four-piece orchestra into a submarine, dove it to the bottom of the harbor, and played it from underwater as the, uh, the new Tsar was uh, was coronated.
0: Bauer was good at building submarines, but he wasn't so good at politics.
2: The Russian admirals deeply coveted the attention that uh, Bauer was receiving from the Tsarist court, and they ended up deciding to sabotage <laughs> his endeavors. <laughs> They ordered Bauer to hold a demonstration, where he was
0: to sink a ship with the sea devil.
2: But what they didn't warn him about was the underwater mud berm between him and the target. (laughs) Bauer ran right into it. Tangled her props up in underwater plants, and he was actually forced to release the emergency drop weights and surface. Uh, So he managed to escape, but the submarine was less fortunate. It flooded, moments later sank, almost took Bauer with her. Undeterred, Bauer fixed the sea devil. But So in typically Russian fashion, they arranged a second accident. <laughs> this time, they made sure that the tiny submarine sank in waters that were entirely too deep to be salvaged, and she was never recovered. Poor Bauer. <laughs> yeah, he was okay. Uh, luckily, the, the crew of the submarine survived a second time, but his uh, reputation with Imperial Russia... Did not.
0: I've, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lesson there of like it, it was it was people that were Bower's problem. Like he actually was really good at this submarine thing.
2: Yeah, it would appear so. Um, what's kind of funny about men of this era that were interested in submarines? They just kept on going back to it and back to it, uh, determined to make it work no matter how dangerous it was. Even if their submarines earned names like uh, "Fool Killer." they would still continue to go after and after this idea.
0: Descending in a submersible you designed and built yourself requires a particular kind of confidence. Some might call it hubris. You have to buy into the idea that you built something that can carry the weight of the ocean itself, and that you did so basically on the first try. No other invention is quite
2: like it. What I like to do is compare the development of a submarine to the development of an airplane. Right, Because airplanes can be developed more or less one innovation at a time. Before you fly a glider, you fly a kite. Before you fly a prop plane, you fly a glider. Uh, there is a very kind of straightforward evolutionary process as one new idea after another is added to, a, uh, to an airplane design. Submarines, on the other hand, have to get everything right the first time. They have to get the air system right or else you're going to die of asphyxiation. They have to get the ballast part of it right or else you're going to go to the bottom and you're never going to come back up again. You have to get the propulsion right or else you're not going anywhere. So, you know, again and again we see maybe an idea that has a big, uh, a number of the problems solved, but maybe they miss one. But one is all it takes to kill you.
1: Taylor Zions is the author of The Wrecking Crew, which was reissued yesterday, May 23rd, 2023. You can find it wherever you get your books, and you can learn more about Taylor and his work at taylorzions.com. Zions is Z-A-J-O-N-C. The Outside Podcast is made possible by our Outside Plus subscribers. Learn more about all the benefits of a subscription and subscribe now at a discounted rate at outsideonline.com podplus pod